Blog Talk Radio. This is Austin S. Murphy um, doing a, as a guest host on Sylvia Global Media Network. We are doing a special feature today on epilepsy uh, with a guest, um, Susan Upchurch, who is the Director of Client Services at the Epilepsy Foundation. Susan, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Austin S. I really appreciate the invitation. Now, I met Susan about a year and a half ago. I myself experienced a seizure, and I know Susan and I had talked to you about this. It was a really scary experience for me. Um, having some, I, I was familiar with what you ha, um, have told me is called simple partial seizures. I always just call them small ones. Um, but that day, I experienced um, what I would call a much larger one, I guess it's a complex partial. Um, maybe I'll have you explain that a little bit today. But basically, I blacked out while I was driving and um, came to and didn't even realize I had been driving. And was um, it was really scary. I thank God that he um, watched over it. There was no one around me. Um, there was no one actually on the street at that point. Um, and my husband was right behind me in another car. So... Um, I was okay, but it was definitely to me a wake-up call and something that I felt I needed advice on and I needed to talk to someone and I had a lot of questions. And my parents advised me to go to the Epilepsy Foundation. So I called the local branch, just looked it up online and found you. And I have gotten so much information and come to have so much of a better understanding of, um, of what I'm facing since meeting you, and I know it's only been a few months, um, but I know that a lot of people never get that information. So I just wanted to have you on today to share um, with some of our listeners as far as just you're such a wealth of information and give you a chance to get some of that out there. Well, I appreciate that, Asanath. And I, what I really appreciate is your just uh, your posture of knowing that there was so much that you didn't know before uh, we had a chance to talk together. Um, in fact, I'm wondering how your parents knew about us, but uh, often the referrals <laughs> to my office come from um, the neurologist or even the primary care physician that a person first um, goes to or maybe even through the ER if there's uh, a traffic accident, as in your case, or uh, or someone's in a public place, for instance, a movie theater or a store where they'll just suddenly be awakening in an ER having no idea what happened. So referrals to my office can come from a lot of different directions. And uh, it's it's truly, well, words almost fail, and that's not a good thing in an interview, as to where to start because with epilepsy, each case is so unique. Um, There are a lot of different avenues that a person can follow to get to where they have their first seizure. In other words, uh, sometimes in childhood there's uh, uh, birth trauma or genetic syndromes that are the main causes, but 
uh, then through adult years or even adolescent and going into adult years, uh, many infectious diseases can be the reason that a seizure might first appear in someone's life. But then going into adulthood, it's mostly head traumas of one kind or another. Um, we Nowadays, we're hearing a lot more about sports figures who have had uh, repeated uh, injuries to the brain, maybe even concussions that are repeated over and over again. Uh, but then there's that huge segment of uh, the military or uh, car accidents and, oh, so many reasons that uh, brain injury can uh, occur. So, uh, and then even in later life, a lot of the cerebral vascular uh, troubles can occur, whether it's stroke or uh, cardiac problems or um, even dementias. So <laughs> you can tell from that long list there are just lots <laughs> of reasons that person might develop epilepsy. Um, and, uh, of course, a lot of times there isn't a clear cause ever found, uh, although that's becoming a little bit less and less of uh, of an issue because with with good imaging, uh, MRIs and CAT scans and so on, there's been a, a, a really a lot of progress made in terms of locating uh, the, the focus of seizure, where it's coming from in the brain, and even a little bit more of what is it actually going on in the brain, like scar tissue or um, arteriovenous malformations. That just means a little cluster of overgrowth of blood vessels in the brain. So, so the the uh, increased technology of being able to peer into the brain one way or the other has really helped in terms of coming to, to grips with what the cause in any one case would be of the seizures. Um, well, but, I yeah, have a question. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry. As we, as we kind of start, I'm realizing we've kind of been throwing around um, the word epilepsy and also seizures and um, I guess I just wanted to clarify for any listeners that maybe don't really know heads or tails of any of it. Um, <laughs> good, good point. What, what, what is a seizure? What is the difference between an epilepsy, epilepsy or just a seizure disorder? I know I've heard the two used separately. Are, are they one and the same, or can you explain a little bit about what it is? Yes, yes, and it's a good reminder to uh, kind of start with basics because uh, – because as you say, this may be a really completely new subject to many of the listeners. Um, epilepsy is is really defined as a, just a common neurological disorder uh, whose symptoms are recurrent, unpredictable seizures. So that's just kind of a broad uh, a definition of what epilepsy is. And when I say common, I really mean that it's it's uh, extremely common. In fact, we'll we'll come back to that point if you'd like to. But a seizure is just defined as an episode of abnormal electrical activity in the brain. So that's that's very uh, broad. And as you say, that doesn't make the distinction between a seizure that is uh, what we think of in terms of an epileptic seizure and one that is not. So, so going back to the definition of when we can be speaking about epilepsy, that is back to that recurrent and unpredictable seizures. Uh, it's actually the case that epilepsy is used as a diagnosis as soon as the second seizure has occurred. Now, uh, 
there is a distinction in types of seizures, and you referenced that uh, just now with your question. Um, a neurologically-based seizure, that's what would be involved with epilepsy, really means that there is uh, a cause in the brain, and those are the ones that we just listed probably at length there, uh, that would make the neurons in the brain overfire or spontaneously fire uh, instead of firing in the way that we consider a normal way. For instance, as you and I are talking and listening to each other, there are neurons just firing away in a very uh, normal, natural way in our left temporal lobes. We're, we're uh, interpreting language, we're uh, expressing our thoughts in language, and neurons are firing in our left temporal lobes in order for that function to happen. But in a seizure, what happens is that some neurons spontaneously fire, and when that happens, that's a seizure. And it manifests in a person by either knocking out a function, for instance, if I were to have a partial seizure coming out of the left temporal lobe as I'm speaking, you would, and all your listeners would suddenly hear a blank, or they would hear some kind of mumbling or uh, words that weren't making really any good sense. So it, a seizure that is a neurologically-based seizure is going to either uh, create a, an experience in the person having that, or it's going to knock out a function, and temporarily that function is just not going to be happening. So that would that's a neurologically-based seizure. But you're right to suspect that all seizures are not neurologically-based. In fact, there are two categories of what we'll just call non-epileptic seizures. That means non-neurologically-based seizures. Those two categories are, one, probably the far more uh, uh, average type that would be encountered, say, in an ER, would be what's called physiologic seizures. Now, you'll also hear those termed acute symptomatic seizures. That's the kind that uh, will arise when there's a physiologic reason, like let's say somebody becomes um, severely dehydrated while they're doing their long run and they don't have their water with them. and they're... So the brain is reacting to that drastic physiological um, situation uh, but severe dehydration by uh, creating a problem in the brain. The brain is almost 90% water, so severe dehydration is going to disrupt the physiology of the brain and the body. Those seizures are not recurrent and unpredictable. Those seizures are physiologically based. So, so that is an acute symptomatic seizure that is not treated with long-term um, a daily medication as a neurologically-based seizure disorder would be. But instead, what's treated, of course, is the, the actual uh, imbalance, whatever that might be. Uh, those can happen to anybody at any time, just as a neurological uh, seizure can. So the first order of business for the doctor, especially in an ER setting, is to determine, is this physiologically based? so that they can address whatever that problem is immediately, since it might actually be life-threatening. Um, and then if there's nothing that's amiss there, then they go on to examine uh, with, say, an EEG machine to see if there's something going on neurologically. 
I mentioned that there are two categories of non-epileptic seizures. The other one is uh, not as common, but it's called uh, psychogenic uh, seizure activity, and those are seizures that will, they certainly will look a lot like a neurologically based seizure, but they will not be. They'll be emotionally based um, as a response to stress primarily. Okay, wow. So, now you're saying um, that this this can happen because of dehydration, and I know that in our conversation you've mentioned to me that um, there are a number of different triggers, I guess, that Mm -hmm. could cause a seizure, and you had mentioned to me that, you know, like you said, with the dehydration, that this could happen in anyone who, you know, whether they ever had an experience or been diagnosed. So, yes, and I, I, I realize that. Well, it's you have brought up the, the the really important distinction between causes and triggers. Causes are the things we were originally talking about: causes of uh, epilepsy and you know the, the the genetic syndromes, and because there is a, a genetic link there, and often genetic mutations um, can appear. Uh, in the complexity of development of that brain in utero. So there, the, the, the causes are many, the infections, the brain injuries, the cerebrovascular insult, you know, those are the causes. But you're referencing now, and it's so important for people who are on treatment for epilepsy, to be aware of what the particular triggers might be. And you absolutely right. Dehydration can be a trigger to bring on the seizure that might happen, say, this afternoon, not the ones that are caused, it's not the cause of the original presence of epilepsy in any one individual, but triggers are the the uh, factors that might make um, a person have a seizure overriding even the, the treatment, the daily medication of anti-epileptic medication that uh, anyone would be taking. So, Yes, dehydration would be certainly one, very common one actually, even very low blood sugar. If uh, someone has just uh, gotten off to work and, whoops, they forgot to have breakfast except for that black uh, coffee they had, uh, you know, the, the blood sugar would dip lower and lower uh, and the brain needs a constant and um, continuing supply of its fuel, which is blood sugar or glucose. Uh, in fact, it's kind of astounding to think that even though the brain is only about 2% of the body weight, but it uses almost a quarter of the calories uh, of the body. So that's, it's, a, it's really needing fuel on a consistent basis. And uh, so when it doesn't have that, yes, it can go into a symptom. Now, in a person who does not have epilepsy, what would be the symptom? Maybe they'd have a a bad headache. Maybe they get a little cranky, you know, at the end of the day because they haven't eaten breakfast or lunch. But a symptom that is going to very likely occur in a person with a diagnosis of epilepsy could be a seizure because a a seizure really is just a symptom, if you think of it that way, a symptom of dehydration, a symptom of low blood sugar, even sleep deprivation will act as a trigger for those with epilepsy. Um, And uh, so many of my clients uh, have asked me, but, but what about stress? Stress seems to be the thing that tips the scales for a lot of clients 
who are even quite well controlled on medication, but put them in a high-stress situation, and uh, again, the the symptom of a seizure might override even the daily medication that they're taking. I think a way to, to think of this is that to the brain, it's all chemistry, and anything that puts that balance of chemistry in the brain to the excitatory side, the other side being the inhibitory calming side. But anything that these triggering factors will drive the imbalance toward the excitatory side of a chemical imbalance in the brain. And when that imbalance occurs, there's going to be a symptom. And in a person with epilepsy, that symptom is likely to be a seizure. Wow. So, <laughs> does that help no, kind of clarify? That, yeah. yeah, it does. Because um, I just kind of always heard seizures and epilepsy in, in you know, in, in one sentence. I just kind of always thought it was the same thing. Um, if someone said, you know, I seizures, oh, so you're epileptic. You know, it's kind of a follow-up. Um, so, yeah, that that really does help clarify that it's not necessarily the same thing and, and but there can be so many different kinds of triggers. Mm-hmm. I know you and mentioning... there... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say on that point, you just you just made such a good point that our conversation is uh, perhaps helpful to those who who have heard, uh, as you had, seizure disorder or epilepsy. Where do you what do, what words are you supposed to use? And I have to say that sadly. Um, sometimes that word epilepsy is carrying so much more weight than it really should in a sense. It is, after all, just a a medical diagnosis, uh, but it has come with a lot of weight over the years, hasn't it, in terms of what what prejudice might go with that, in terms of who knows what an individual might have heard or Um, or had misunderstandings about what epilepsy means in a person. Uh, It might bring up fears that are quite unrealistic and not fact-based, and that's why I I have to say I'm I'm so pleased to have this forum to to discuss all this uh, with you. Right, and and as you were saying, um, I know I met people when I was younger, and in high school who um, would, somehow it would come up in a conversation, um, you know, that they had had a seizure or that they even did, and they'd be like, I just don't tell anyone, you know. Um, and it was kind of that, I don't want anyone to look at me different. And mm-hmm. in their case, you know, I had never seen them have one. I had never seen them, you know, fall on the floor, which I know is usually what's associated when you hear someone say they have seizures or epilepsy okay, so you periodically fall on the floor and a little freaked out, what should I do? Um, mm-hmm. And so these people, because they didn't, they would just never tell anybody. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I guess, like, kind of like you're saying with the fears, if you don't ever hear about it, except for when someone's falling on the floor, it is a little scary. So are there other kinds? And do people who have epilepsy not necessarily always, you know, fall on the floor, so to speak? Um, Such a good question. Because... Know? Because you're you're certainly not alone in thinking that when people hear that word epilepsy or even the word seizure, of course, most people do think in terms of a full convulsive seizure, what used to be called a grand mal seizure. Well, uh, actually, it's still called that in many uh, circles. Um, 
but uh, the very fact that there are so many types of seizures is something we really we really should bring up. I know we don't have a lot of time, but it's so important because there are a lot of different types of seizures, and the the full convulsive seizure. Uh, where someone falls and really their whole body is involved in a lot of movement, that is uh, not the most common type of seizure. Uh, But it's certainly a very dramatic thing to witness. And so when people hear the word epilepsy, you're absolutely right to think that that's what comes to mind. Uh, In a way, a way to sort of think about this is that there are really two big categories of seizures. One, generalized, meaning the whole brain is involved in the overfiring of neurons, and that, uh, that what used to be called grand mal, today those are called tonic-clonic seizures, uh, that is a very dramatic, generalized-type seizure. Another type of generalized seizure that is uh, pretty well-known, especially in children, it used to be called petit-mal epilepsy. Today, those are called absence seizures. But it's that very quick uh, little blank stare, maybe a little fluttering of the eyelids. Um, but those kinds of seizures are sometimes uh, recognized first by teachers in, a, in at school settings because they see the child during the whole day, and they'll sometimes report to the parent that they see that the child is staring just for moments and losing um, connection with the, the teacher and what's going on in class. Um, those types of seizures tend to cluster. So if a child has one, they're likely to have many that day. And that can certainly interrupt the, the learning situation in school. So those are uh, generalized seizures. Um, today, those are called absence again and tonic-clonic seizures. But a great majority of people who have epilepsy don't have those. They have what's called the other big category, which is partial seizures. That just means that out of that 100 billion specialized cells up there called neurons in the brain, a rather small, relatively speaking, batch of those cells, those neurons, will fire spontaneously. Remember, that's all a seizure is. So depending on how big of a batch of neurons is firing, various things will occur. So these are partial seizures, and hopefully not giving, you know, overwhelming with too many facts here, but within that category, there is the further breakdown of simple partial seizures and complex partial seizures. Um, The simple partial seizures do not uh, in any way impair awareness. Uh, They can be things that would never be recognized as a seizure by, say, an onlooker or even, sadly, by the person having them. Let's say that maybe a a 9-, 10-year-old suddenly smells something kind of odd, something that nobody else seems to smell, something kind of burning and uh, but the other people uh, in the in the classroom, let's say, uh, have no um, uh, sensory uh, goings on of the same type. It could be something that they hear. Uh, it could be, as I say, something they smell or a distortion in their visual field. These are all simple partial seizures. Um, a sudden emotion that just comes out of the blue. Um, even even autonomic symptoms like uh, a sudden strange uh, 
feeling like you're going down the roller coaster, sort of a, an odd stomach feeling, even a little dizziness, so or a drastic change in body temperature. So there, there are lots of ways that a simple partial can present, and again, that all depends on which neurons are firing. That that's so um, uh, indicative of of how the person's going to experience that simple partial seizure. And EEGs and MRIs are eventually uh, employed to try to help figure that out. Now, the next step up from the simple partial seizure, uh, which, again, remember, it does not impair awareness at all. A person could talk right through it and say, why don't you smell that smell that I'm smelling, you know, or the taste? What Mm -hmm. is that? that strange taste, but nobody else would have any idea what they're talking about. But if more and more neurons become involved, especially if the person is not put on treatment pretty early in the game, and why would they? Because they wouldn't even suspect it is a seizure. But usually the progression would be that because it's not treated at that level, it will progress involving more and more neurons becoming a complex partial seizure. At that point, Awareness is impacted. The person does not lose consciousness and fall down like in a generalized seizure, but instead what happens is that their their impaired awareness means that they cannot rely on and respond to their environment in any reasonable way. So if I walked up to you or my one of my clients whilst they were in a complex partial seizure, uh, they simply wouldn't be able to uh, communicate with me. They might vaguely hear that I'm standing there and saying something to them, but they wouldn't be able to respond to a command, oh, here, come sit in this chair. No, they, they wouldn't. They might wander around or have kind of automatic behaviors like picking at their clothes or have sort of a lip smacking. Um, their tongue might get a little bit more overactive. That's where some of that, that saliva might collect a little bit. Um, but they're they're not going to be able to respond to their environment in a reasonable way, nor are they going to have a clear memory of what happened during the episode. Uh, now, any simple partial seizure can progress to a complex partial seizure, and it's at that level, and unfortunately in your story that you just told us about, uh, the complex partial seizure may even be first diagnosed when there's either a traffic accident or something that looks bizarre to a, an employer or a spouse or a friend, and thereupon the, the person ends up in front of a doctor and things progress to to uh, get treatment started. Um, sadly, uh, a lot of my cases do start with rather tragic uh, circumstances uh, because of that. They're not diagnosed until that happens, and then hopefully treatment can get underway. Well, I know we're running short on time, um, and I know you have a busy schedule and a lot of clients, um, but I guess I would just want to ask you real quick in the last couple minutes here, is there any encouragement you can give um, to people in that situation who maybe go through something tragic and start thinking, my life is never going to be the same? Like, is, is there anything you would want to say to them or their family or friends to just encourage them or maybe how they can get support Yes, thank you for that opportunity. You know, it's probably every single one of my contacts, and uh, when they first call in or they come in to my office or email me, I have to say that 
it's almost always that way that even one seizure and then especially two that become a diagnosis of epilepsy and require treatment uh, it, that's going to impact every area of life, whether it's uh, driving or employment or relationships, because sadly some relationships just don't hold up under the pressures of seizures. Uh, there are going to be uh, a lot of issues that are suddenly uh, collateral to the medical issues. And that's really what my job is, is to help sort those all out. So I want to tell any any listener who is thinking, what in the world is this all about? And maybe that's what I've, I need to deal with. I, I so invite uh, uh, contact with me, and I'll, I'll be sure to say my, web, uh, my uh, email address before we end our conversation. But I, I want to say that each of these collateral issues absolutely can be resolved. It's just sort of step by step, and we just handle them with whatever the unique case presents. And uh, in my 26, going on 27 years here, believe me, anything you can bring to me, I will understand it and and hopefully be able to move things forward for you. Um, My email address here is just susan at epilepsysandiego.com. Dot O-R-G. Susan at epilepsysandiego.org. And I so welcome uh, any inquiries uh, or even comments that it would just be use me as needed, I guess is the way to say that. Uh, we do have a website, uh, and I've got posted up there a lot of uh, things, regulations with DMV and uh, information about seizure types and so on. Um, So absolutely, I think that's just the best way to say it is just contact me as needed with questions or concerns that might arise for either any one individual or a family member that, uh, or a friend who is perhaps concerned. Certainly employers can contact me as well if they have questions about some of their staff. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you again, Susan, for um, for being here and for sharing with us today. Um, I, I, It's such a privilege to have you here and have your information. I hope we can have you again sometime. I know there's so much, and I know we just started scraping the surface. So I'll let you go. I know you're really busy, but I really do hope we can have you back sometime. I would um, love that, and thank you so much for providing the forum just to, to have a little bit of information awareness about a, a pretty uh, baffling disorder for some. Thank you so much for that. No problem. Have a great day, and thank you, Sylvia Global Media Network, for giving us this opportunity and this platform to talk about epilepsy and get that information out to those who need it. Have a great day, Susan. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 